Well, I'm a little bit better shape than I was last week. Uh, I came in last week and I said I was dragging and not, not feeling so well, but my little friend was back this morning, the cat, uh, which I'm starting to wonder if the cat doesn't have an accomplice, but uh, I don't see that cat except for Sunday mornings, and there he is ready to get me up and get me moving, so... But it was a busy, busy weekend. We had, uh, you know, quite a weekend. Last week was a, you know, lots of stuff going on, lots of football stuff, lots of activities, and uh, you know, our, our little team got to play Northwestern on uh, last Tuesday night, and we beat them. Uh, Colton did a great job. That kid's a good football player. Uh, just, you know, another year or two, look out, because, you know, he'll be picking up where, you know, the cousin did. They killed us on Friday night. Uh, Northwestern let us have it real good there, so that's all right. So, hey, what can you say, you know? But I got there, and uh, I got there a little bit late, and I uh, walked in, and it's funny, I'm almost 50 years old, and to get there, I had to walk through the the Northwestern crowd to get around there, and I'm still, like, 50 years old, I'm thinking, oh, man, they're going to heckle me. There's, there's, some, there's some grand person over here. What's he doing over here? Some grand person, you know. And uh, so I'm walking in, I hear, hey, John! Oh, boy, I turn around. There's Savannah and Grace, and then, uh, I'm like, here we go, because we're already getting beat, you know, I'm thinking, they're going to let me have it, and but no, uh, one of our, our grandfriends was with them, Chloe Crabtree was there, and that was a nice little meeting. It was fun to talk to them, and I come around and, and uh, got to take some pictures and did some different things, and it's kind of interesting. In one shot, I have a picture of, I think, Eli Burner scoring a touchdown. Chapman is about 10 feet behind him, looking like he's ready to kill him. <laughs> You know, and then later I got a, I got Trey like just missing him, and so it's a lot of fun to look at those things and celebrate those things as a church. I put those up on the a lot of pictures on the Facebook page. Neola took all those, and I'm planning on doing a, like a fall kids thing here where you'll be able to see all the different activities. Jesse was in homecoming, um, volleyball. We got all kinds of stuff going on, and our kids are just active and. and and right out there in front of everybody, and I think all of them do a great job of, you know, in their daily life demonstrating, you know, what being a, a Christian is, what being a good person is, representing their schools very well, and uh, that's something, you know, we can all be very, very proud of and very, very happy with. So I'm going to, we're going to do that here, I think maybe next week as football season will be over and we'll be start moving into the winter stuff and so I've got some things planned for that. So if I get a chance, kids, all of you come back so I can embarrass all of you next week. It'll be a lot of fun. See, the adults, we'll have a lot of fun embarrassing you. And that's why we have kids, so we can really grow up and we can embarrass them. So. But anyways, uh, you know, growing up, I had it pretty easy. My family was, uh, you know, we were a Christian family for the most part. My mother was anyways, and dad, you know, he sort of, had his own ideas, uh, but uh, we, uh, you know, I had a pretty good childhood, I have to say. My parents loved me, my grandparents loved me, everything I needed was, was given to me, provided, I had food on the table, everything was, 
it's pretty good. And then I hit adulthood and start down the path there, and you start to realize that you know adulthood is a little bit different than childhood. There's a lot of uh, you know bumps along the way that you weren't expecting, that you weren't counting on. And the greatest lesson I ever learned, uh, you know, I learned it the hard way. It's and it's uh, you can do all the right things. You can prepare yourself. You can be patient. Heck, you can even be the best at something. And you not get what you think that you deserve. Uh, there have been several times in my career as a teacher that I've tried to move into administration. And I've been shut out every time. I think I'm up to five tries now. Finally, I'm like, forget it. You know, I'm too far down the road anyway. So, But, you know, all of us deal with, with trials. And that's the hardest thing, I think, for, for young people to, to realize is you can do all the right things. You can be the best. You can have, you know, and, and prepare and, and expect that this should be mine. And I, I, you don't get it. And that's tough, as my dad would say, tough. Life's not fair. We like to think it's fair. It should be fair, but it's, it's not fair. And uh, so we do that. We all face trials in life. There's no doubt about it. And I talked about that a couple weeks ago, that you know, God allows things to happen, things that we question, things that we, we wonder about. Why did this tragedy happen? Why did that happen? Why did some kid from Green and, you know, why did that happen? Things happen in life, things that are not fair. We know that. You've experienced that. And if you haven't, you're probably not old enough yet to, to understand what that's like. But I really believe that God will use these trials, these experiences to make you better, to set you free, to help you. Um, I didn't want to believe that for, for years. You know, I felt cheated and ripped off at certain jobs and different things. But, you know, now that I've kind of come out on the other side of all that, I look back and I can see how God was using things, using them to set me free, to help me become the person that he always wanted me to be. Unfortunately, I had to go through all of those trials to get here. I don't have any notes up here today, um, because I really want you to think about the Bible verses and to really look at them. And you know, we all deal with trials. There was a uh, a a lady that lives in our community. Her name was Cindy Heitman. She ran the, the glorious Terry Hutt Mall, which is just a tiny little store there, Terry Hutt. She passed away last week very suddenly. I mean, she was in her late 50s, uh, had an aneurysm, was there and gone. And it's just a shock to our little community there around Terry Hutt. But she was a very strong Christian, and, uh, and at the funeral home, you know, when I was meeting with their family, they expressed over and over again how this was such a terrible thing, it was so sad. But... The joy of the Lord was their strength. And I'm like, man, I just talked about that last week. It's amazing. They just hung on to that, the idea that, you know, mom was a Christian and she loved Jesus and she really uh, shared that with everybody in the community even. 
And so, yeah, there was a lot of sorrow, but there was also joy. There was joy to be found there in the midst of all of those trials and sufferings. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to flip to a very obscure little passage here. This is in the book of Psalm, uh, the 66th Psalm. Remember, these were originally written sometimes as poetry, sometimes as little songs, you know, to be sung, to worship to, to do different things to. This is a, uh, a psalm that, that really goes into uh, it's about praise of God, and then it gets into individual worship a little bit. But there's this one verse that, uh, starting at verse 10, Psalm 66, verse 10. Let you flip there. I hear all the Bible pages flipping around. If you're an old school guy, I love that. You hear the Bible flipping there. That's Psalm 66, verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. In other words, you let the enemy, you let the captors set their foot on our neck. If you ever know what that illustration is, that's the killing blow. It's, you've got your enemy down and you're ready to give the, the, the coup de grace, the final blow that will end it all. The writer of the psalm is talking about, you know, there are times... Where we feel like, you know, our enemies, life in general, has its foot on our neck, is ready to, I can't take any more, I'm at the end. I'm fed up with life, I'm fed up with this, I'm fed up with life's got me down and this is it. Yet you have brought us out of that to a place of abundance. We weren't left in that wretched state where we're, we're knocked down, where we're you know, about to meet our end, where life has finally overtaken us. And some of you have had some rough times. Sometimes life captures us and we seem helpless with the foot on our neck, but God leads us out to freedom. That's what God wants to do, to lead us out of freedom. God wants us to be free. John chapter 8. I love the book of John. If you're a new Christian, I wouldn't suggest you start with the book of John. Maybe start with Mark or a book like that that goes pretty quick because the book of John's a kind of a spiritual book and there are some things that are kind of weird in here, but a lot of the most well-known verses that we know about the Bible, sometimes they come out of the book of John. In John chapter 8, starting at verse 31, says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? The truth will set you free. Learning to trust God and relying on him for strength is definitely possible. The Bible says the truth will set you free. 
But I believe that that truth, that often comes at a high cost. Now, of course, the Bible, you know, the truth. What's the truth? Well, the the word of God, the, the gospel message. But so much that what we learn in life that we come to realize is only gained through dealing with trials, through dealing with all of the things that life has for us that we can overcome when life has its foot on our neck and we somehow escape and we go on. There are things that we learn from that. And we begin to learn what the truth really is. That God does allow us to escape that. That he is with us. We learn that truth. But to gain that truth, that wisdom, we have to first go through the trial. I really wish I could stand up here and say, none of us will deal with trials. Hey, we, we accepted Christ. No more problems, man. We all know that's not true. In fact, many times as we accept Christ, now we've just made ourselves an enemy of the world. We just made it worse. But through that, God will lead us out to abundance. The truth will set us free. Learning to trust God and relying on Him for strength is only possible by going through some very tough times. I don't like the tough times I've gone through. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I can look back and say, I don't want to do that again, but thank you, God. I mean, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, man, we're so glad you were stepped up to pastor here until now we got Kyle's going to come and this is a time of preparation for him, so pray for him. And I appreciate all the, the good thoughts and the, and the things, but I want you to just think with me here for a second what I had to go through to be your pastor. Because any of these things could have railroaded me and I wouldn't be here. I've had to deal with battles of morality, as all men and women do. I've had to battle depression. I have to take medicine so I don't like hulk out and break things, you know. That's always fun. Got some good stories about breaking things here. Anyways, I got turned down five times for job promotions. The worst one, I had the job. Uh, it was the last day of school. I'd already started to give away all my teacher stuff. Like, here, I won't be needing this anymore. You guys can use this. Why don't you take that? And So I'm down there, and we're getting ready to... I think we're going to look at some scheduling things for next year. And the principal says, well, uh, I need to talk. I'm like, this doesn't sound good. Well, we just decided uh, we were going to get somebody else. And, and I'm like, okay, why? You know, we talked about some things, some things I didn't agree with. I thought were silly, but of course I was upset. I was angry about it. My poor kids, I come home and complain about, Daggone, Grandma, you messed me up again, doggone. None of my kids will ever want to work at Graham, I don't think. So. <laughs> but uh, it's the same anywhere, guys. So I got my dream job. Eventually, I became the head football coach at Graham High School. I'd worked at that for 20 years. Finally got in a position to do that. Lasted one year. When it was over, uh, 
I, my, my health wasn't good. I didn't feel good. My blood pressure was out of control. My, uh, my brother-in-law had a stroke. And I had it in my head. That was going to be me if I kept it up. Thank you, God, for giving me at least one shot at this. But I, I have to resign because I don't want to end up being buried on the 50-yard line. Because that's not an easy job, gang. Next time you, you want to yell at the coach, think about it. Yeah, that's a rough job. So I gave that up. I've had troubles in my marriage. I've had troubles as a dad. I've had troubles with this, that, and the other. All of these things I've had to deal with. But because I've dealt with those issues, because I've battled these things, because I've, you know, I, I lost so much. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Because you've lost, some of you lost way more than I ever did. But because of those things, I suddenly found myself in a position where God could use me. If I was the head football coach, there ain't no way I'd be at church today. I'd be breaking down film for the next game. If I was the principal at Graham, I wouldn't be here because I'd be exhausted. We'd probably put in 70, 80 hours a week. If things would have gone wrong with my family, that would have caused a split. I wouldn't be here. But through that, God led me out to a place of abundance. So for better or for worse, here I am. Thanks a lot, God. <laughs> Learning the truth has set me free. It's made me a better Christian. It's made me a better Dad, a better husband, a better employee, a better coach. But learning that truth, it comes at a high cost. Some of you could tell me the exact same story, the things that you've gone through to get you to where you are today in your walk with, with God. So now I look back on some of those things that I thought were so unfair and so wrong and... and and so evil, and so unfortunate, and now I go, thank you, God. God wants to use these trials to mold us, to shape us, to, to be who we want to be. You know, the truth will set us free. The, the truth of Jesus as the Messiah, but, and the truth of the things that He taught us are so important. But there's a lot of truth that we learn through the process of growing. Turn to Mark chapter 4. The book of Mark. If you're a new Christian, this is a good book to start with. It's a fast read. Take you right through the life of Christ real quick. And I love the uh, chapter 4 in the book of Mark. Many of you have heard this story before. We're talking about you know the seed being thrown down on the ground. And the disciples are like, what? Seed? Throwing? What are you talking about? Here goes Jesus again, telling stories. None of us really know what the heck he's talking about, but okay. Starting at verse 1, again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat it out on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So here we got this big, big crowd. And he was teaching them many things in parables. This is Jesus now. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
They didn't even get a chance to plant the, the, the seed. They ended up there, the bird came down, and off he went. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Nice try. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixty and a hundred. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the people are okay. Jesus just told us a farming story. What's he talking about? Seed being thrown down on the ground. What, what in the world? What in the world is he talking about? Verse 13, he picks it up, he's, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. The word of God. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. They didn't even have a chance. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the word, or excuse me, of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and chokes the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Every time I ever read that, and a lot of times I heard people preach on it, I was always like, man, it must be nice to be the good soil. It just the seed came down, whoop, and it grew and became bountiful. What a wonderful Christian that person must be. Unfortunately, I'm probably the rocky ground or the, the thorny ground. When the, when the word was shared with me as a young child, I received it with gladness. I loved to listen to the Bible stories. I loved to talk about the Bible. I loved and you know, loved that. But as I got older, the things of the world, they challenge that. They choke it out. They take it away. So that the ground of me, my life, it's, it's not fruitful for God. He can't use it. But I don't think God is done with that, that soil. I always read it to be with you know, all this other soil. They all got thrown out. But you know, rocky soil produces beautiful flowers. Things like bellflowers and columbine and lavender and berberies, acillium, all of those require rocky, stony ground to grow. And they're beautiful. Many people go through trials, tribulations, difficulties. But God wants to lead us out of that to abundance. He's not going to give up on that soil, that rocky soil. He's going to let it be rocky. He's going to work on it. But despite the rocks, despite the bushes, the thorns, the things that get into your life and hold you back, God's going to work in spite of that. 
Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If I send out my word onto people, talking about God, and it goes forth, even on those in the rocky soil, even those with the thorny bushes, those who are tangled up in life, the word of God will not depart until it has accomplished what he has desired it to do. Think about that. Despite the screw-ups and the lost job opportunities and the disappointments and the health problems and all of the other things, God can use that and needs that for his truth to accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. One of the most famous verses in the Bible to talk about such things is in Romans chapter 8. And I've heard this quoted so many times, you know, when things happen, and many times people use it as a way to comfort some people. And you've got to be careful, even though we're well-meaning, you know, we have to be careful and you know how we do it. We were at a funeral one time, and I won't tell you who it was, but uh, this one lady had just lost her husband, and and he, uh, you know, he'd been a longtime Church of God guy, and my wife, God love her, she walked up, "How you doing?" She goes, "I just lost my husband. How do you think I'm doing?" So you got to be careful when you you throw out little trite things like this. You know, when somebody's just gone through a tragedy or a, a, a trial, you've got to be careful. Oh, God works wonderful things through... Oh, gee, thanks. I mean, that's what I really wanted to hear right now. But Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for things. All things. God can use those things, not just the good things, but the bad, the evil, the poor health, the loss of a job. Ultimately, things unfold in a way that bring about God's purpose, not our benefit, not for whatever, but for His purpose. God has a purpose to everything, things that He wants to accomplish. He will use those things to achieve his purpose. Someone's asked me you know, many times if I felt cheated or disappointed in myself because things you know, often don't go my way. For sure I get disappointed. But I don't feel cheated. I don't feel upset. I still get to coach. I still got a great job. I still got friends who love me. I still got a family that loves me and cares about me. It's almost like those things were meant to be. So if God uses trials to bring about his purpose for us, you know, how can we know his purpose for us? I think the first thing we need to do is to admit we're lost. Hey God, you know, I'm lost. How many of you have been on trips and you lost your way? I mean, this is the days before uh, Google Maps and stuff. You just, you know, oh, here we go. 
We were driving back from Cincinnati last night, and we were out in the middle of the sticks. I don't know where we were, but old Google got us home. Thank goodness, he, you know, he got us there. But I can remember years and years ago, Jimmy and Keith they were just dating. That's how long ago it was. We were driving back from Kings Island, and we were lost. I don't know where we were. You know, I'm thinking we're heading to Xenia, and I think we ended up in Ripley or something. Like, we're down on the river. We're going there. Jimmy's like, just keep driving north. We'll get there. Just keep going north. We'll get someplace. Just keep going north. But we got home eventually, hours and hours later, but that was a hoot. I would have just stopped and asked somebody. Maybe I would have... But I listened to my wife or Keitha, you know, it would have helped. We didn't want to do that, so we just, we just kept driving. The first thing I think for us to, uh, you know, if you're struggling, you know, what is my purpose? Yeah, God, I've had, I've had all these things happen. Wow, is there a point to it all? Ask God, God, what is the, the meaning of that? I'm lost, I don't understand. It's not like God's going to appear suddenly and, well, now, Brian, this is why this happened to you. He's never done the favor to you or anybody else that I know of to show up and, and do that. But the Bible does say, in the book of or Psalm 25, verse 9, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So I think the key to trying to wade through these issues of good and bad and how do we fit in here and is to first humble ourselves. Because I believe that if we're arrogant and we think we know everything, God's going to say, hey, go for it. Have it your way. You should smart. See what happens. God gives guidance to the humble. James chapter 4, verse 10, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. How often do we make decisions without praying about it? Think of some of the life-changing decisions you've made and you never prayed about it. Never even thought to ask God about it. If you're like me, you don't, you don't ask God, but boy, you sure go crying to Him later when it doesn't work out. Maybe I should have put in a little more time on the front end there, humbled myself a little bit. If you're lost, pull over and ask for directions. Ask God. James chapter 1, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. If you lack wisdom, if you're unsure of what's going on, why does this happen, God? Why did this? Ask him. Humble yourself. God, I don't know. One of my favorite cartoons growing up was uh, all the Looney Tunes. Those were the best. Bugs Bunny and, and some of these kids today have no clue what they missed out on. Bugs Bunny was our SpongeBob, all right, back in the day. I'll never forget this one, though, this little, little dog was running around with his friend, and he's going, yeah, yeah, what are we going to do, Spike? What are we going to do? Shut up. And the dog would roll over, and he goes, yeah, what are we going to do? You're, you're big and strong, and I'm puny. 
All right? And I'm like, yes, that's, that's me and God. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, God? What are we going to do? Shut up. <laughs> Ask me. <laughs> I'll let you know. All right? You keep asking God for directions over and over. You know, Jesus was a master storyteller. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me, the door is shut. My children are with me in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he'll rise and give him whatever he needs. In other words, if you show up at your friend's house in the middle of the night, banging on the door, hey, hey, I need some money. Give me some food. They're not going to get up and help you out because they're your friend. They're going to get up because that idiot's banging on the door. He ain't going to stop until I go, oh. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. The idea of, of the story is that God wants to answer prayer, but you've got to keep at it. Sure, he loves us all. But he wants to, to reward those who are <laughs> banging on the door. God, please, in the middle of the night. Thankfully, God doesn't sleep. God wants us to work with him. He'll show us the way. He'll show us the truth. Last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this whole idea. You know, why do evil things happen? And yet, God still wants us to be happy. And how do these things all jive together? And how does this all work? I think God wants us to trust him through these trials. He wants to lead us on to abundance. He wants to show us that the truth will set us free. But sometimes that truth... For us to learn it comes at a high price. The process of sanctification, of being more like Jesus all the time, I mean, that's a lifelong thing. It, it takes us a life to, to look back and, and for it to make any sense. We had a, when I was little, my, uh, my uncle was a preacher on the radio down in Gallipolis. Every Sunday morning, he'd drive into the radio station, and he would preach on the radio. My grandma always tape-recorded him. We'd go over there. She'd have 800 cassettes up. She never listened to him, but she always had to record him, you know. So, but he would get on there, and he would talk about things I didn't understand what the heck he was talking about. And being a charismatic, sort of a down-home, you know, and he talked about, we need the propitiation. Jesus was that to, led to justification for our sanctification, for glorification. You know, we're sitting there, what is he talking about? I have no idea. God wants us to work through those trials. Jesus was the saving sacrifice for all of us. He is the truth that sets us free. 
And because of that, through the trials of life, God will help us to realize that, help us to know that, help us to believe that. So if you're wounded today, if you've had a rough time, join the crowd. Join the crowd. But even though life can knock you down and put its foot on your neck, God wants to lead us out of that to a life of abundance. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your truth, the truth that sets us free, the truth of Jesus as our Savior, our Messiah, who comes to give us eternal life. And we know that through the trials of life, the ups and the downs, you're going to use that to teach us the truth, to teach us just how much you really do love us and how much you care for us. Father, we love you today. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen.